Woodley, Daniel Harris, Dick Warlock, George Romero, Kane Hodder, Robert England, Ronnie Blakely, CJ Graham, and you're listening to Deep in Texas. You gotta be fucking kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Deep in the Horror of Texas, where we dig through all the fucking sequels, burn all the motherfuckers that don't work, and slam into the back of the fucking Halloween series. This is Ralph. This is the Jeff. I am Nathan. And we have returned to do the Rob Zombie set of this. Awesome. The 2007 release, it had a budget of $15 million, I believe, had a return of fucking who knows what like 80 it had a good yeah it had a good return yeah it definitely did and this is actually the movie that i kind of picked up on because i actually got to see this one in theaters not in theaters (laughs) nope nope i did not see any halloween in theaters this one i actually saw like a year or two later because i used to have a friend his name was vernon and he like bought anything and everything on dvd and uh he had he made me watch this one i was like it's okay like i vaguely remember it and then several years later i meet nate and nate's like hey want to watch these and i never got that far i never got far enough to come back to it fuck you <laughs> <laughs> exactly no i i was lucky enough i, I caught this in theaters it was awesome it was awesome because i mean really when we were on that trend of rebooting everything is like why not why not halloween and seeing what they did and picking rob zombie was kind of like a dream come true you know what guy could attack this from a different angle and they picked zombie well it's like once again halloween was a trailblazer this came out in 2007 the Friday 13th remake was 2009, and if I'm not mistaken, Freddy was 2010. Yeah. And once again, Michael comes first, hits it out of the park, and everybody follows suit. Well, what the big deal with this is that Zombie was coming off of what's he going to do next? He did House of a Thousand Corpses. He did Devil's Rejects in 2005. So everybody, after Devil's Rejects, he kind of proved himself like, you know what, he can do 70s grindhouse horror like Tarantino does, you know, fucking awesome action thrillers, you know, and stuff like that. Well, he certainly didn't fucking prove that with House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was just building that name. I mean, everybody always says it was budget, budget, budget for that one. Well, do you remember the trailer? Yeah, it looked great. Yeah, well, look, the cop light one, right? Uh, Where it was like, the most macabre movie in American cinema has been banned in 25 countries. I remember seeing all the the black light and the zombies and stuff. It was really... And then it comes to a pit and the guy's pulling out like this mushy head. And it's like, House of a Thousand Corpses by visionary director Rob Zombie. And it was like, oh shit, what is this? (laughs) Nothing. So yeah, he comes back with actual budget. The whole reason that trailer existed was because... Nobody wanted it. And so by touting it as the most macabre movie, he got picked up on. And then, yeah, he he did Devil's Rejects, which while it isn't my forte, you're going to hear some some flip flopping by me on this. Uh, I'm not a zombie fan. I, I didn't care for his music either. So I don't rest like as a fan. Hated 
House of a Thousand Corpses, respected but don't like uh, Devil's Rejects, and then here he is getting one of my very favorite movies, Halloween, to redo. It was uh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Weinsteins couldn't afford like David Fincher or anything like that, which would have been great if this property fell in somebody else's hands. I think I, I, I obviously it would have been amazing, but um, imagine if like James Wan and Leigh Wanell got their hands on this title back then. Maybe you know, but then again. Like I said, it, it, it's a love-hate relationship with zombie. Not, not even love. <laughs> More like, I, I like tolerance. you. I, I really hate you. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, tolerance. Well, I'm just glad it's like somebody got to retell the story. I mean, Carpenter gave us our boogeyman, and, and Zombie gave us you know his, his interpretation of the uh, classic. I mean, it's like putting the, the black and white Frankenstein next to uh, Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. You know, yeah. you get your... Your take. Your almost a 30. Well, yeah. Yeah. Almost a 30 year difference. So it's like, yeah. So well, let's get into it. I mean, uh, some of the major draws from this one, from the uh, the originals, obviously that the, the beginning. Cundy and Carpenter and Deborah obviously gave us this really straightforward take with this beautiful steady cam action of maybe what, uh, eight minutes of intro to the young Michaels. Uh, establishing. I think it's like four story. minutes. Uh, but here, it's an establishing shot, smooth walk around, go upstairs, kill, come out. You know. But with Rob Zombie, he gives us a whole hour of just yeah, really. He, gets a, he gives us a lot of backstory for this. From like for this, he ends up like showing the home life shows, like everything that Michael was going through. You get the days up to Halloween, mm-hmm. and that's what was really kind of cool, or the hours, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Because uh, being introduced to the mother um, and the the daughter, and now we have a stepfather, and you actually get introduced to baby, uh, who, who he calls Boo, mm-hmm. but we know as Angel Myers. Uh, it's awesome because you get this really in-depth, uh, let's just sit in this world, you know, that zombie kind of creates for us. And, you know, it's almost like a case study. How does one become a murderer? Yeah. And, and he takes it apart. I mean, there's some really positive uh, scenes that go in here. I mean, you got Will, uh, William Forsythe that plays this very uh, verbally abusive stepdad towards everybody in the family. I don't think there's a kind eye he gives anybody. He even gives like a too kind of an eye to the uh, the daughter, <laughs> which is just, uh, you know, disturbing in, in its own right. But it just creates this really dark household that Michael's psychotic evil mind would go to great lengths to protect. Man, I tell you what, this first scene with him at the the breakfast table with everybody, I was like trying to write the get it straight, you know, get it straight with Nate segment. And I was just like, I don't know if I can touch base on some of this subject matter because it's already it's it's fucked up. You you got a 50 year old man, you know, telling the chick he's dating that he would like to pound her daughter's pooper, (laughs) lack of better words. Yeah. And then, you know. Is just verbally abusive to Michael and oh, yeah. smacks him around. Shit, it's like Michelle, almost Jesus like the level of calling him a Christ. sissy and stuff like that. Pretty much calls him any name that he could think of. But I mean, even the sisters mean to Michael. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the only ones that are kind to Michael is his mother and this little baby. Yeah, it's yeah. like what less than a year old, maybe yeah. a year old, if even. It, it definitely paints that picture of like a rough home life. Like it, it really kind of gives you an idea of like this is kind of like um, Netflix's. Uh, in the mind of a killer, you know, it yeah, gives right. you that backstory that kind of makes you question: Do we really need this for Michael? 
but there's no, yeah there's no logical step next yeah. you know resurrection yeah so like with it being zombie we kind of we get we get carried along this ride because you see that you see michael interacting with with small animals going to school getting bullied just like uh in the words of loomis later on in the movie it's it was the perfect alignment of all the shit that could possibly happen to this kid yeah perfect storm yeah. the perfect storm like all these fucked up events just lined up perfectly to lead up to where to what we get, what or the doing. Rob Zombie Michael that we end up getting later on with the mask. I didn't have a problem with it, honestly. When I first saw this in theaters, totally fine with it. Uh, as rewatching it now, uh, it had so much. It was tiresome. The dialogue's a little thick in some areas. Uh, you know, you could cut back and it would be appreciated, but. You know, a Zombie wrote this and directed it, and I think that's sometimes the thing that I would have probably shied away from. I would maybe co-write this with somebody, maybe. That way you, you know, you, like we talked about in uh, the, the very first episode of this Halloween series, is like if there's just, if you're that kind of director and you're just taking on too many jobs, maybe you need somebody to kind of check your shit, you know? Yeah. That's always been my problem with Rob Zombie, is he does not know restraint just i it's something that doesn't exist within his head like you know when he writes he writes this excessive fucking cussing back and forth and back and forth and it's not good cut like i enjoy good good cussing get joe pesci on the screen i'm fucking laughing even if it's a serious part look at the reservoir dogs uh uh table so uh, yeah uh, look, read you look know, that whole table scene, scene yeah and, and it's just the way he uses curse words it's just like it makes me feel Ugh, like I need a shower yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's not from the violence. It's from the, the dialogue, which is strange. It's like listening to a 13 year old who just learned how to cuss and doesn't know how to properly use it. Adolescence. Yeah. Prepubescent. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> like, we, I don't know, like this was something that Rob Zombie has been always known for, at least from all the movies that I remember. It's every other word has to be. Fuck shit, damn cunt, motherfucker, cunt, like anything that you could possibly Pussy, think of, asshole. Yeah, and it's like, man, like, do you not have a bigger vocabulary? He doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, like, me and Jeff went and saw Thirty One. <clears throat> Same story. I mean, just that's the way the man writes. His mentality is locked in that seventies kind of. Which I'm cool. Which I'm totally cool with, man. But as a director. I don't know if I should uh, give him credit or the cinematographer, but I'm going to go ahead and give Rob Zombie the credit. He has that grindhouse look that I I just fucking, I love it. I love the look of this man's films. I just cannot stand the way he words it. I know he followed suit with Halloween 1, and he kind of shot this in, in Cali. Yeah, it's right, like same areas, yeah. same blocks. So with them shooting around February area, there wasn't like a fucking season fall you know tree to be seen yeah. so he desaturates the shit out of the film and like i was telling nate uh when i was watching it, i was like i really i it feels like you have, you have everything right it's just something's wrong with the film like and it's the writing well and they didn't throw any leaves on the ground i mean you know he tried yeah deborah well, like deborah hill she threw leaves everywhere and then hey we're packing up moving down the street everybody grab the leaves yeah like, like it was fall yeah it was they yeah, and the original, yeah, they pretty much they were painting they were painting bags and trying to find leaves and just anything that was thrown out, you're reusing it. Like they they took the term recycling mm -hmm. very seriously. Going brown. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like even, even if a shot only required three goddamn leaves, those three leaves were used. You probably saw those three leaves in the entire fucking like Tyler fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's cool because like that's one thing that I kind of dig about this remake is that it is the same neighborhood. Like literally from where John Carpenter shot the uh, Wallace and Doyle house, this is like literally a block over or like two blocks down. I'd have to watch uh, Hollow's Hoard Ground to find. But yeah. I mean, he, on the bus ride, he's like, well, there's the remake house. There's the other remake house. And they were on their way to the Doyle uh, Wallace residence. So it's like right in that same West or uh, East Pasadena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Cause I mean, I know that was one of the big things that zombie had talked about. He's like, he didnn't want to include any of the original houses. Location. Cause he's mm-hmm. like, I don't want it to lessen my film. I don't want to do cameos from the original Halloween series like that and all that crap like that. Cause I don't want it to lessen, you know, this story. That's probably why I didn't film the uh, school scene. Yeah. Because be the like, girls like literally start on the block when yeah. they're talking instead of walking home from school, and that's that was a big draw for me because like by the time we get to the girls, it's literally one hour in. Yeah, because you, yeah, dude, you, it's like an hour and fifteen in. This is a two-hour fu- well, the unrated is, version. Yeah, I watched the unrated because with the box set comes with the unrated version. The we're not really going to talk too heavily on it's the a two-hour and two-minute movie, and the theatrical is one hundred nine. Yeah, so. so. Yeah, the unrated is the longest of the series. So and, that that's roughly only like eleven minute difference. But you can't just say this is the unrated version. The unrated version is the definitive director's version. Yeah. This is what he would have loved to have put in theaters, but he had to trim down obviously because you can't have somebody sit in the theater for two hours watching a Halloween film. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, especially it'll, this. Well, it'll get long in the two. That was that was the mention in Weinstein's uh, view at that time. You know, yeah. let's get him in, pump him out, and get the next you know next group in. Mm-hmm. I like honestly, my thoughts of of the total movie on time length is, man, you could have trimmed thirty fucking minutes off this. This yeah. could have been an hour and thirty minute movie, easily. Yeah, yeah. easily. But I don't know. I don't know if I was just like uh, like all the all the grown michael prison stuff danny trejo and and this the, the entire rape scene yeah that that whole fucking that that was the thing that sets him off i think because it was off-putting because he had lou temple and everybody kind of doing their thing well yeah like the weird thing is with the you know the premiere box set is it only includes rob zombies unrated versions of one and two so it's been fuck since probably the theater since i've seen theatrical yeah. release mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I remember what? hearing somebody say that the the rape scene wasn't in there. But yeah, I think I if know. I'm not mistaken, Vernon had the unrated. Like, I don't think he had the theatrical. Yeah, it's hard to find. You'd have to buy the Rob Zombie standalone three disc set. set. Yeah. Remember that? The it was just the, the yeah. like copper tone mm-hmm. Michael Myers one. Yeah, but what it is? Uh, if, if you can find it streaming, like I did the the Showtime, they showed the uh, R-rated version of Halloween Two. Oh. So I mean, it's obviously a theatrical. So you place. didn't watch the unrated. Halloween too. No, no. I, I I checked if it was streaming first, and then I just ended up watching the Blu-ray. Oh, gotcha. Because I was like, yeah, I got that in the box. So I just watched the Blu-ray. Yeah. But to get back to young Michael, we see him go through, like you said, the killing of the animals. We see him kill his bully in yeah. the woods, which is this <laughs> ultimate beatdown. This kid was in Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kids films and stuff. So mm-hmm. here he is playing this really foul-mouthed bully ridiculously foul mouth. Yeah, he placates yeah. to the sister doing things and the mother doing things because the mother's a stripper and he just gets his, you know, he gets his ass handed to him. 
Oh, like yeah. he just gets this, this uncomfortably, dude. It's uncomfortable to he watch gets, that yeah, scene. It's hard. It, it it was really hard to get through that scene, and we're only what twenty minutes in. Yeah, if even. Ooh. Yeah, like it's like yeah, it was it was an ass whooping that I did not wish upon anybody. It was, and it, that's another thing that Rob Zombie does not have a restrictive filter. He just all right, whack him seventy six times. I'm gonna film it, beat him to death, <laughs> and I'll use what I can. Yeah, and it's like Jesus Christ. But then he comes home and he just deals with the situation of like, hey, I want to go trick or treat. He acts as though nothing happened. Yeah, is my sister going to take me? No, she's <sighs> busy with her boyfriend. This is not looking good for anybody. <laughs> no. Nope. And the mom treats him like, you know what? The kids and the the principal doesn't understand my son. They don't give him the leeway he needs and deserves. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and yeah, she's... the mom thinks the principal's hitting on her. Yeah. Like. By calling her down all the time. Here comes the the night that we've all been waiting for, this Halloween night. Yeah, like a half hour in. Dude, and um, what's really cool is you get all this lay down situation of seeing young Michael eating uh, the candy corns and kind of just like, all right, time to get the duct tape and tie my stepdad up while mm-hmm. he's passed out. and Crippled stepdad. Slit his throat open and yep. just look at him while he bleeds out, which is just, it was awesome. That was a really cool kill. And the aluminum bat scene with the uh, Judith's uh, boyfriend. I mean, <laughs> you have all this set up with Judith and the boyfriend, the sex scene and stuff. And you see the mask introduced in the scene. Mm-hmm. And then you have the aluminum bat. And I love the way young Michael stalks. He's already in that mindset. When he's wearing the mask, he's the stalker. He's the slasher. Yeah. And when he picks up that aluminum bat and just goes to town, it's just like fucking that's what you get for eating my prosciutto. <laughs> it's like, sorry, fucking dude. Hippie. Maybe you can go fucking, you know, trick or treat some other day, dude. It's like, yeah. like what, little dude? <laughs> fucking Garth over there. Yeah, really. You're fucking dead. Dude. But he wallops the motherfucker. Dude, when he gets a little death rattle and stuff, you see his feet like, oh, he just locks up from yeah. that first knock. It was just like fucking Leatherface all over again. Mm-hmm. Very homage to that shit. It's great. All right. He gets the mask and he he finds it in Judith's bedroom and she's listening to uh, uh, Fear Don't the Reaper. Fear the Reaper and it's just perfect, you know. And you know he kind of does this like slight touch of her leg before and then she just looks over and Michael, what the hell are you doing here? What's wrong with you? And then the knife comes out and it's that straight jab into her gut. Mm-hmm. And then, man, I love the music cues in this. At first, I was kind of like, oh, they're shying away from the original theme, but the intense like. It's just like these really strong, like electronic, symphonic kind of fucking sound impulses. And what's cool too is that Zombie chose to go instead of like really tight when it was Michael's, Shaking. it would shake. Yeah, it would put you in that fugue state of like, all right, we're gonna just rattle around with Mikey, and it was just intense, and it was creepy to see young Michael put on the fucking mask and kind yeah. of stalk the sister in that scene because he's just slicing the shit out of her down the hallway. And from there, I mean, just going to the simplicity scene of like, is he going to kill the baby? Yeah. And he takes the mask off and he picks her up. I like, do. that's just, it's touching. What I what I enjoyed about this is that it's what we were talking about earlier when you were, when uh, we had, when we were talking about uh, like several episodes back is, is it before or after he ends up like going crazy whenever he puts on the mask? And in this one, it really plays the entire like 
he's using the mask to distance himself from everything to dissociate yeah, yeah to, to hide to, whatever to hide ever to hide it to pretty much lock his child mind away from all of this the, so he can the, the killer connection. it's funny because the uh, uh psychologist term i looked it up is called masking and that's literally when they put on a mask they're someone 100 percent different their psyche completely changes they be anything they want yeah, he tells the mom what i'm hiding my ugliness yeah. mm-hmm. you're not he's ugly. Like, ugly he's like yeah, 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 yeah. You, don't, you don't, you're not seeing the shit the way he sees things. And that's what's cool, too, is that as we get into H2, we don't really ever get to see what Michael sees until we get to H2. Mm. But it's cool that when you start thinking about H2, you're kind of thinking, wow, what the fuck was Michael seeing? And you can almost see to some extent is that what he was trying to do in that first hour of Halloween 1 is he was trying to take away all his mom's hurt. He was mm. trying to take away that wicked step on, uh, stepdad. He was trying to take away, away the bitchy daughter that just fucking belittled the mom all the time and didn't listen to her. He was trying to protect his his heart, which mm-hmm. was, was Boo and and Deborah Myers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what Michael's ultimate, like, I don't know, like, I don't, this is just me thinking. But, like, that was what he was trying to protect, you know? That's why yeah. he sits right. on the porch. That's yeah. the same thing. He's holding the baby. He's looking at the mom, and it's just like you know. As long as I have these two things safe, I'm gonna be you know I'm content. Fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why when he gets met and he goes into this uh, psych ward and he's with Loomis, it's kind of like. Well, I find I find the arrest scene very interesting. Like gotcha. the whole like it's it's only a couple oh, it's minutes long, but it's you know that has like the sh- probably best, Sherry Moon's best acting. Oh, it has the best shot in the she's film. Like crying to me. and just screaming over her body, you know, as they're wheeling her. Oh yeah, and shit. And it's like. You know, Michael's sitting in the back of the cop car, and he, he just turns and looks right at the Everybody's camera. Everybody's frozen. And then, yeah. and then it goes into uh, this court scene. But when he's in the back of the cop car, you'll hear a reporter say that he slashed the dad's throat, but then went back and stabbed his face up. So, yeah, the, yeah it's, sure. it's a line in it. It doesn't show. You say it, he but, stabbed the, the daughter or the, yeah, yeah, the 17 times. But, it, but it does say, yeah, right after that line. Gotcha. He says he, he slit the father's throat and stabbed him in the face a bunch like yeah, sure. and the chest. It's cool. And then there's this uh, this scene where, you know, he's going to court and then it takes him to the sanitarium. And his first, inter- well, not first interaction, but first interview with uh, Dr. Loomis, Played he doesn't Michael recall McDowell. anything. Yeah. And he's not wearing any masks, but he just does not recall it. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of sessions go he by. He's like costume. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't remember any of that. Like, like, oh, did I get popcorn or whatever? Or candy corn? Or, and he just doesn't have any recollection of it. And it's interesting because he's not wearing a mask. It's not until a little bit later into the sanitarium that he starts taking paper plates yeah. and making masks. Mm-hmm. And that's when you slowly see his descent. And then, you know, the child is leaving. He doesn't like being in prison. He doesn't like he wants out. He doesn't understand why he's there. So, you know, they leave him in this. uh, Dr. Loomis and and Deborah are sitting there talking with Michael and Deborah's time to go. And they bring in a nurse like, hey, you got Michael. And she's like, yeah, I'll watch him. And so they leave and he's just in his mask. Just mind his own business. And the nurse insults him. And this sets off a chain reaction. Like, That's nobody's going to be nice to me. Fucking cuts her throat out. And from there, it's just like, fuck the world. Like, yeah. as the kid's screaming. But uh, it's it's a, it's a cool little case study. I kind of dig it. Yeah. This is the part of the movie that I really like. I hate the school shit. And I hated, 
you know, the family home body ship. But this the sanitarium stuff I like. Well, the touching most touching part is when the mom's sitting at home and she's watching the projection. Oh, that's yeah. And terrible. it's just dark because it's like, yeah, you never get that in Carpenter's thing because you're dealing with the boogeyman. This, we're dealing, like Nate says, like a case study. You're watching what this evolution, the perfect storm of evil could be in a child that would grow up to be a six foot nine monster, you know? Yeah. Because this kid, you know, his whole world was his mom. And what happens when the mom blows her fucking head off and your fucking psychiatrist, like you said, Malcolm McDowell fucking playing Loomis. <laughs> like, like how do you, he, he's he, not a good psychologist. He, in makes this. <laughs> his, he makes his fortune on a failed case. What a good doctor. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. thanks. You know, you, you're my only psychologist and you just made this whole fucking career off of, so of it, my, my pain. It's a good point. Is that in this movie? No, that's in the next part. One. That, part yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the next one. Yeah. He writes a book in this one. Yeah. But it's the devil's the, eyes. Yeah. The devil's eyes. Yeah. yeah. But then if we, as we flash forward and you start getting into like the, like you said, the rape scene with Danny Trejo kind of caretaking, you know, that's Robert heartbreaking because he took care of Michael for yeah. 15 years being sweet. To and him. it's just that one night with that stupid orderly, almost very via, you know, uh, uh kill bill. Yeah. You know, it's just took that one dumbass to kind of set off the fucking, you know, you could have just, Michael could have, put, could have probably just fucking rotted in there. It's just that one event. If that orderly would have not done, even bothered going them. into that room. Even if they would have continued with the deed and just did it in that room, Michael probably would have never fucking happened. Yeah. Right. So, or at least not never fucking happened, but he never would have left. Strangely enough, in his room, it's just covered wall to wall with masks. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the, the Michael Myers mask? Mm -hmm. He made it out, out of paper mache, but it's pure ghost white face, oh, really? black eyes, and a little bit of hair. It's like right over his shoulder. The main ones as he, the dude's like, "Hey, Mikey, blah, you know." The main ones he plays with is that weird, almost clown one, yeah, and then the one. pumpkin one. Yeah. I was yeah. like, "God, those are fucking." The pumpkin one was my favorite one. Oh yeah, of all the ones that you see and that he's made, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Like it's that was that was definitely my favorite. Man, this guy's he's, he's, he's like a, a fucking giant dude. dude. Yeah. 234 pounds or 40 pounds. No, he's like 300. And he's six foot eight, <laughs> six foot nine guy. So you imagine with him in those fucking big ass boots that he later gets from Mr. Grizzly. <laughs> this guy is a fucking tower. Because it's him and that fucking rogue. Joe Grizzly. Dude. After we, you know, he, like you said, like he he does the escape. He, get, he goes to that truck wash. And every murder that you kind of witness this guy do is just fucking extreme because of his size. He just. Like there's. Whenever Michael becomes an adult, there's no such thing as subtlety anymore. Because we, we joke about Michael's grip strength oh, and yeah. all the other films. This one, this guy has... He has the body to match the strength at this point. This Tyler Maine is just a, a force of nature. Yeah, the amount of power that he puts behind every movement that he makes is terrifying. He is destroying bone yeah. with every grab. When he fights uh, Mr. Grizzly, uh, Ken Forey, in that in that bathroom scene... Mm -hmm. And he grabs his arm with that knife and he doesn't take the knife or, you know, like no. do it some badass. Like, I'm going to just knock the knife out your hand. He just literally just slams his arm against that fucking bathroom stall. And that, and that stall is just, just buckling. Buckling. Yeah. Like you said, just to, he takes the fucking the wall down mm -hmm. and the force of these two guys just battling out. And for such a big man like Ken to fucking like fall to fucking Michael, it's just amazing to see yeah. this shit. Bloodied up and shit his pants. Dude, just for a jumpsuit. Yeah, exactly. And buddy, I just had me a monster Socko Supreme. I'm going to be in here for a while. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, shit. I love how he walks in the bathroom. Like, he all looks in the room. He's all, oh, my God. 
fixing his fixing his side, man. Dude, it's like somebody did something. Taking out the hard shit. Reading a porn mag. You are not. The last thing I want is a hard on while taking a shit. No. Three times a day for me. (laughs) (laughs) Golly. I like somebody to look at me while I'm doing this. To keep on trucking, though, this movie, like, after that's all said and done, if I'm not mistaken, it ends up introducing Boo, who is now Lori. We, or we start seeing, like, the girls at this point. Like, we're already, like, almost an hour in. Oh, yeah. And the way so, they set up Lori Strode, I mean, come on. That mm-hmm. family life. Yeah. It was perfect. Like, yeah. D. Wallace and uh, I forget the guy, the father's name. He does a great job. Sweet as can be with, like, that teenager humor, you know? Like, because when you're a teenager, you're trying to, like, push the boundaries with your parents figure out what yeah. you can and can't get away with and i can relate because i was well i'm not a little girl but you're not, am, you're not I, a 17 year old girl i did push it with my parents a lot like really <laughs> uh, military school was an option <laughs> <laughs> it was an option for you jesus but yeah so you end up getting introduced to her the family kind of a family life like you get you get that set up and then you get to meet her friends um, um linda linda and aunt annie yeah and fucking hell, so glad to see fucking Daniel Harris back in this. She's so great. And she's so Linda was very uh, Christina Yeah, we get introduced to the friends. So pretty much, we're we are now Sheriff Brackett. Sheriff oh, Brackett. God. We're now Brad, an hour Brad now Dorf. into this movie. Oh yeah. Whereas versus the original, that was what twenty minutes in. Oh yeah, even. not even. That was like immediate five minutes. Yeah. If, right oh well, wait. Yeah. Well, Michael kills, then they drive up. The escape. escape. Yeah. And so we get. To, we also get to meet Lori, uh, yeah. little Tommy Doyle. Yeah, Lori walking down the street. Yeah, doing all that shit. Yeah, Lori, wait up! It's pretty much oh, from here on. From here on, it's almost the exact same as John Carpenter's up until the end. Yeah. Just like modernized. Yeah, really. shortened and fit into this movie. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen the original, you've seen up till the end. Now, the end is where Michael kidnaps Lori and shows her a picture. Yeah. Well, she like, doesn't understand what's going on. Another difference is that he doesn't kill Annie. Right. He damn near. We don't know that until the end, though. Well, no, no. You, you end up finding out right before he kidnaps her because she's still alive whenever Lori finds her. Oh. Because she's like, Annie, baby, baby, you know, are you okay? Yeah, she's and like she, laying there gurgling. She, well, no, though. she's on the ground saying, Lori, Lori, because she, because yeah. Michael is behind the door. True. True. Because the, the boyfriend yeah. is hanging from the fucking banister. Old pumpkin head. And I, I found that scene so fucking funny because Michael walks up and pushes, pushes him. Just kind of like. <laughs> Watch his decoration. Dude, yeah, exactly. the thing that he annoys me is awesome. Linda and Bob, though. Why did they go fucking the Myers? Hey, he's got a full-size fucking van. <laughs> yeah. You don't go fucking it. But he's trying to build it up, but, babe. But was it because... Is it because Lori gave him the key, though? She no, him... she dropped it off from here because Michael smells the oh, you're envelope. Right, you're right. Gotcha. And that's how he... 
smells the om- smell <laughs> smells the envelope where there's I don't I, think there I don't think there was any nose holes in that mask. <laughs> I like how Michael does go. What's back. that smell? I like how he goes back to his Plastic. house and breaks through the fucking wood to get the knife and the mask. Yeah, I, I love that. It. Like the fucking mask has been sitting there at the floorboard for like hey, dude, fifteen years. I will say this on record. Best looking mask since the original. This mask is fucking awesome. I can agree. I, I really like this look for Michael. Yeah. In comparison to all the other pieces of shit costumes Oof. that we saw, he looks this in the original. I just don't like how big he is, man. He's oh, so I love fucking big. I love it. Like, if you're going to be the you strong, silent type, you got to like be this, big. I've always liked the normal, average dude. I, I it's like, hard to be terrified of a five foot four Jason or five foot four Michael. Well, Jason, yeah, it's like oh shit, but Michael, he comes at you from the shadows. You know what I mean? You don't really ever see him. I was talking with you about that today. Like, yeah. you know, th- that was the thing with the original original halloween is that michael you don't even see him until he puts that phone to his ear that's the first time you get an up close shot and then the rest of the movie up until the closet scene he's still very much in the back yeah because of jason because of freddie because of pinhead you now have to make them the forefront the second billing almost you know i have to see michael and it's like i loved him when he was just the shadow the shape but in this, I think he was just, how do you create something that's really not some kind of supernatural boogeyman, but just true. No, no. It's updated. You I, need get something. I get the reason they yeah, did yeah. it. It's just. He's just. Yeah, he needs need something imposing. Like, there's not. Like, even for the boyfriend and girlfriend were able to, like, have stop having sex and fight them together. No. He gets shot in the back six times from a magnum and it barely drops him. Mm-hmm. I love this. Movie. I don't understand how Loomis lives. <laughs> I don't understand. Because he, like, crushes his fucking head. And then, you know, Loomis grabs on as he's dragging him to get to yeah. Lori. But it's like, I, I thought he pushed his eyes in. Yeah, like, like you could hear a crunch. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very, I, I understand it, but it's painfully obvious, like, in, in, the, in the unrated version that he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Because Ooh. he tries to, he, he looks he at her, he gets the gun, he grabs onto Mike's leg, and, you know, he's still hanging on to life you know he's still he's still fighting yeah but then he gets beat with the two by four and then michael tackles lori out the window yeah it's like damn <laughs> well and that that's another thing fucking that's that ending to me is a little long in the tooth for me oh, the whole hiding in the walls hiding and shit. in the walls yeah. and then hiding in the ceiling and just michael fucking going to town with that fucking like four by four into the fucking ceiling oh like you could like again, like we were saying, like the fucking power behind this. Yeah. Just kadoosh, kadoosh, kadoosh. Straight through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Straight through <laughs> sheetrock, two by fours. He's doing everything except for hitting Lori. Yeah. If you were to rewatch the scene in Jurassic Park with the Velociraptors going into fucking <laughs> grates is that entire scene. That's it. You well, know? it's like how he pinned up Bob, like yeah, the first one he like grabs him and slides him up. This one he was just like, like <laughs> stabbed him up on the bitch. Yeah, and they really land the dangle of the feet too in this one. I love the the choking out of Linda. She gets killed, and just seeing her carried like that one scene again from Halloween one where she's being carried naked. It was just like, wow, this is like perfect. I just I feel with uh, updated new movies, they don't know how to light nighttime. Like Carpenter's had black with mm. blue and soft whites. This is a lot of blue. And blues. this was like bright blue. It, it's just really weird. Like there's no blackness. Like when he's standing on the porch watching Bob and Linda come in, it's like it's purple out. I wonder if that's just from the desaturation. 
I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I just think it's an experience. I can see why it got a sequel because, like, this movie, like, like we said, it had it had a budget of like fifteen million. It ended up leaving the box office with like fifty million, so it it made its money and then some. And it, we ended up getting a sequel. What two years, three years later? Yeah, I think two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. So about two years later, we got we get H two the uh, fucking Michael's return, and with this one. We we do have our returning stars of fucking Tyler Maine and the girl that plays. Sorry, it made eighty million. Was that worldwide or worldwide? worldwide. Okay, okay. Do you want to do final thoughts? Oh uh, well, yeah. You know what? Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and burn through it, Jeff. Um, I am a big fan of this film. I thought I was going to really hate it, which I really did the first time I sat through it. But then after watching it again, uh, with kind of like a, I don't know, just uh, I just chilled out and watched it and tried to enjoy it beyond the dialogue this film looks great from beginning to end uh what scout is able to do as playing laurie she brings a whole uh she's not doing jamie lee curtis being laurie strode she's doing scout doing laurie strode which is great because she has a really funness with the whole character scenes and stuff like that what really brought everything full circle for me is definitely the scene where you see the myers tombstone and linda laying naked on the on the dirt uh, Lori in the basement mm-hmm. and when you see Michael kind of kneel and hold over the fucking picture it's him saying the full circle I've done it like the full circle's made I have the dead Linda representing um, my sister Judith uh, the headstone representing our mother Deborah and you boo are here now with me I, I you know I've done my best to, to bring family back to you yeah and is he sits there so vulnerable. Lori's just lost. She can't put it together. And then that one fatal moment, she just reacts. So from here on out to the end, it's just her becoming Myers. And which is awesome because after she's chased and she's knocked down from the ceiling, she's bloodied. She's not Lori Strode anymore. She's becoming Angel Myers. And at that fatal scene when she jumps out and she falls on top of Michael and she gets that 357. And she's pointing at his face. You don't know if Michael's putting his hand to move it away from his, you know, to, to move, you know, to kind of like, don't shoot me in the face. Or he's holding to steady your hand. Like, just fucking do it. Like, <laughs> put me I out. I can't be happy. And when she shoots, it's her full fucking circle of going from becoming Angel to Lori back to Angel. Because as we get into H2, you see that that fracture is now ripped open a full fucking, you know, well of what what it is to be a Myers and I love it I, I mean after that I go wow like Bravo Zombie you you've done something that even Carpenter and Deborah Hill probably never fucking imagine and that's what we look at you don't you're not looking at fucking the boogeyman you're looking at this character study of what the Myers family is and the big dynamic is basically what the mother held to these children and the way that Angel falls away from it and Michael's holding true to it and Loomis is just that fucking weird. It, it's your conscience. It's your, like it's the the angel and the devil sitting on your shoulder is what Loomis kind of represents for me. Mm. But uh, I love it. You know, I I thought I would hate it, but I enjoy the shit out of it. So it's a definitely buy if you can. Uh, recommend, recommend, give it a shot. It's a fresh way of looking at the whole fucking Halloween scheme. All right, for me, this movie I really like. <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> you motherfuckers. I really like Tyler too. Bates' score for this um, too. Oh, the out-of-tune piano thing. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I saw this in theaters. I did not mind it. Rob Zombie's Halloween, to me, has some really great moments. Uh, 
Daniel Harris is awesome. And this is easily one of Brad Dourif's best fucking roles to me. I mean, yeah, Cuckoo's Nest, and, you know, there's a couple others that are above this, Exorcist 3. But he's awesome in this. I, I love his character. Malcolm McDowell is a different but a decent stab at Dr. Loomis, or Dr. Phil, whatever one you want. Um, even though this, this film is mired by Rob Zombie's persistent for shitty redneck tropes, I didn't hate it. I, I really appreciated uh, his try. But I kind of found it vile due to language opposed to violence, which is really strange. All of Rob Zombie's dialogue makes me not in a good way uncomfortable. It's more like, oh, God. But I've got to appreciate what I'm seeing on screen because <laughs> go back and watch Resurrection. Uh, he's got a good eye for emulating and poaching from other directors before him. His problem to me is his lack of restraint. Just <laughs> tighten it up a little bit and don't write your own scripts and he'd probably be a really good director. Now revisiting the entire series for this podcast after laying dormant for so many years and after resurrection, I can honestly say there was nowhere left to go. And <laughs> this is a welcome this is a welcome remake to me. I mean, it's not something I go to all the time. And yeah, I used to talk a lot of shit about it. I can honestly say this is one of the tops. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely put it as a buy. For me, like I said, I didn't get to see this movie until a year or so after its theatrical release. And let me say it right at the start of this. I appreciate the film. The The movie is great in comparison to just the dreck that we've been receiving um, for the entire franchise of having to like watch this revisit some movies and watch some with a brand new like perspective because I had never seen some of them but to revisit this one after not seeing it since fucking I'd say 2008 so 10 years later for me to come back and actually watch it and sit down and pay attention to pick up on like what Nate said the the dialogue is fucking horrible like I can't I can probably watch this movie on silent and be fine because the dialogue, I just cannot... I, I could care less. Like, the the amount of fucks and the amount of shits and cunts. And I... <laughs> I if I want to hear all that, I'll just get in a phone conversation with these two. Hey, now! <laughs> like, conference call, I can fill my entire... I could I could fill my need for a as week. many cuss words. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good for a week. This movie, the visuals, I think are great. I like the updated look from Michael because I've always imagined... Like, I've always imagined, like, these classic guys, with the exception of Freddy, if you're going to be this imposing force, I'm going to imagine you to be the tallest in the room, with the biggest fucking arms, with the strong, like, the, the, the arm strength of fucking Superman. You're going to be inhuman to me. And, and that's coming from a 6'3 Moana. Yeah. <laughs> like or what's Maui, sorry. Maui, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm Moana. She's a- <laughs> That's a different kind of podcast. Yeah, exactly. Hi. <laughs> but like Make if, way. You're gonna, Make if you're way. gonna be Michael or you're gonna be fucking Jason, I want you to be the tallest, strongest, and meanest looking motherfucker in this room. Yeah. Like that's how I've always imagined these guys. And Tyler Maine fucking sells it. Like yeah. he's I could see him doing one-armed pull-ups and pull-downs, you know, like, fuck, <laughs> you know? I will shit myself just like fucking Grizzly did. Yeah. And <laughs> this, again, this movie, it's enjoyable to watch. It is horrible to listen to. 
but I appreciate it for what it is, especially after having to watch so much shit leading up to this. You're welcome. Thank you for wasting so many goddamn weekends. Um, <laughs> you know, I had these are these are not paid days off. You know I that, know. right? <laughs> I should be Why do you paid. think I've been editing? <laughs> I feel bad. You edited one episode. <laughs> I fucked around with another one. <laughs> yeah, but watch. We're going to get the Nate cut in one of these. Hey, I have yet to receive Employee of the Month from Deep in the Horror, Texas. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want that. I want the award. <laughs> it's like a fucking rainbow colored dildo. <laughs> here, here you go, pal. <laughs> I've been editing these episodes for the past like almost two years. So. And I haven't gotten employed it's a, a month used, either. It's a used so. tube of chapstick. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's much. Half gone. It's half gone. Yep. But I got Ralph a soda and he took all of mine because it was all ice is what I had in mind. <laughs> but in short, this movie. <laughs> Even in it's, hell, I get no respect. No. And it's fucking hot in here. Um, fucking this movie, for me, it's a it's a rent, if anything. Like, the only way I would say it's a buy is if it's like 10 bucks. Like, if it's if it if it's a $10 Blu-ray, knock yourself out. Like, it's worth it's worth the purchase. Any more than that, I'd say rent it. It was a nice breath of fresh air in comparison to fucking Resurrection because I can, I don't know if I could stand another episode with fucking gum and teeth. Half beard. Yeah, half beard, gum and teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Kung Fu Fighter. Break your fucking neck, oh, God, I'm not gonna say that. I enjoy his music. Love some Buster Rhymes. So I think we got a little uh, treat for you with uh, Get It Straight with Nay. So hit the fucking music. Is this Aussie conditioner? That is fine hide leather. You've never felt soccer penis. Let me hear shit, baby. You're good. Good, good, good. You're really right up there. Like, 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 like a fucking Pepsi commercial. And now we talk about 2009, Halloween 2. <laughs> Correct, Mundo. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff. Seriously, I don't have enough time in this podcast. I was only 45 minutes into this flick and realized I had over 25 minutes of material. Okay, Sally Forth. Jerry Springer, the movie, pedophile parenting. Seriously, ladies, if your boyfriend says to your daughter she has a nice little dumper, rolling pin that fucker over and throw him in a grave. Pianos that need tuning. Sherry Moon didn't get the memo that strippers get naked. The original title of this movie was Making a Murderer. Ironically, Spy Kid is being spied upon by another kid. Upon meeting Deborah Myers, Dr. Loomis doesn't even acknowledge her. Seriously, he looks at the principal and snidely says, is this her? What the fuck? How, why is he wearing his glasses like that? He really needs a therapist. Identity crisis, anger over a receding hairline, general British misogyny, and his only friends are a principal and a disturbed homicidal 10-year-old. Did Michael coin the phrase dick beater? Ah, you fuckers. Uh, case study on masking. If the patient's psyche becomes that of a killer when they put on a mask, keep them the fuck away from masks. Easy. Uh, Sherry Moon's stripping efforts show that she's on a one-way track to the morning skank shift. Rob Zombie shamelessly rips off Apex Twins' Come to Daddy music video. A lesson to homeowners. Don't hand out fucking candy corn. Is the dad on heroin? Seriously, how the fuck did he not wake up to the sounds of being cocooned in duct tape? In Hanfield, barbers went on strike. For good. Danny Trejo erroneously kickstarts a killer into action thanks to his prison advice. 
Rob Zombie clearly didn't study visible spectrum in physics. Loomis states, black isn't a color. It's the absence of all colors, while white is every color. Have you ever seen blue, red, orange, and purple mixed together to make white? In fact, black is the absorption of all colors, and Rob Zombie is full of shit. It's science! Who would have thought the phrase, the blackest eyes, is from a black and white photo? Well, shit. Dr. Coppelson? Where the fuck is Dr. Wynn? Uh, upon meeting Lori, one begs the question, is perversion genetic? Clint Howard, Udacure, Malcolm McDowell running in a sane asylum. Sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. And Charles Lee Ray for sheriff. After childhood and the asylum bullshit, the rest of the movie is just tracing the steps of the original, only this time the steps is in shit-covered cowboy boots. The death toll is 23 between the theatrical and unrated, and as far as I can tell... There's only a variation of three, so let's do them. A rubbed out rat, a sticky situation for Spy Kid, hippies don't play baseball, Ronnie, Judith, Paul, and Strodes, and two cops get the knife treatment. Nurses, they just can't win in these movies. Uh, mother redecorates her walls. Four rednecks banging their heads off the wall. Stan Payne wishes Patty didn't have a gun while Patty and Gloria get throated. Ismail Cruz finds out what's on TV. Joe Grizzly meets a grizzly end. Relive the exact Bob and Linda moments and one off-screen coyote statue death. We also get nude from Jenny from Forrest Gump. A nude Danielle Harris. Thank you, Lord, there is a God. A nude Christina Klebe. Klebe? What's her name? Klebe. Klebe. And Sherry Moons. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, I'm Nathan, and I'm blasé the fuck out. And that concludes H1. (laughs) On to H2. Sally Forth. (laughs) Like Bobcat Gold right now. <laughs> that boy. God damn it. I wish. So, yeah, we jump right into uh, Halloween 2 Rob Zombies that came out in 2009. And Electric yeah. Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. I'm, uh, man, um, I really like the first 10 minutes of this movie, and then it winds up a fucking dream. Do you know how disappointing that is? And yes, we get Scout back, we get Tyler Maine back, we get Rob Zombie back, and we get. Pretty much everybody. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, yeah Malcolm McDowell. Daniel uh, Harris. Daniel Harris. But once again, as I've always complained in fucking horror movies, she's got a new merry band of best friends one year later. Which is perfect. I, I thought I, I, it was a breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh ass. <laughs> it is some hot ass, dude. Bree, uh, whatever her name is, she's on Dexter. Oh, my God. She's a thick, curvy, hot woman. I don't know. There's something about that blonde. And then... Her, the, friend. her friend, that's the girl from Final Girls. Was the one that amazing. starts yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah, and I found out she's on Epic Rap Battles in History of Cleopatra, <laughs> which is hot. Ah, she's hot ah, in that. Plus, you got so much experience down on your knees. Married a writer, but I don't even think you can read. You'll sleep with any ugly dude who says he likes it hot. Even Joe DiMaggio took a swing in your better's box. I'm a descendant of the gods. Don't angle me, trick. You'll lose it better like your belt. And now she like does like producing and writing. Great, yeah. Good so for you. She's, I love her. Yeah. I think she's great. She's great. The beginning's pretty much reality. We're dealing with this cow, 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 squirrel. <laughs> I love the cow scene because Richard Brake sets up this fucking tempo perfectly. It's like she took six guys to fucking pick up that one fucking body to load them well, up. Well, I get it right. Five guys and a girl. And the girl with the ponytail? That's Tyler Maine's fucking wife. Richard Brake, I, I don't want to... I don't want I think this is his first time working with Zombie, but he would be like the star player in 31. I mean, 
go off awesome. to be. I mean, he he plays the fucking uh, Ice King in fucking Game of Thrones. I mean, Richard Brake. Really? Is, yeah, he's the shit. Like the White Walker? King? Yeah. Oh. It, it, they didn't change from Richard Brake to a different actor until, like, I think season four or five. But the original Ice King was played by Richard Brake also. So I was like, awesome. Shit. But Brake just has that grin, you know? You see fucking... Uh, Not a straight tooth in that head. Well, that smile. <laughs> it's just uh, Mr. Cool, whatever the fuck from Batman Begins. That's the one that shoots uh, the Wayne's... Uh, he is Joe Hill. Cool, yeah. Yeah, so Joe Chill, Joe, Joe Chill, Chill. Thank you, Joe Cool, <laughs> Joe Cool, Joe Cool. <laughs> but there's two people that come around Batman from this film. Oh yeah, the the uh, hillbilly that chase him down in the woods. Right on. Yeah, yeah that's dude. uh. uh um, what your kids don't like falafels? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Piece of shit. Goddamn. <laughs> Swear to me. But Richard Brake, I mean, just in the beginning of 31, you get this, you know, he, he just, he has it from this. The film. only reason to watch 31 is Richard Brake. He Richard, it was amazing in that movie. No, I've never really had the urge to lay down with the dead girl until I seen that one back there. Dude, you see that, the way that one looked. That God. beginning intro where he's like, they call me Doomhead. Now, I don't call myself Doomhead, mind you, but they do. Who's they? Well, some mysterious folks that pay me a whole lot of scratch to do what I do. You know, I'm going to tell you, I didn't care to sharpen this plate. (laughs) It's going to hurt. Wham! Slams it into the guy. It's just like, oh, my God. He was at TFW, and that man is just the kindest, coolest fucking dude. But the character work he does is just... Well, I walked up to him uh, at Texas Frightmare, and I told him, dude, whoever you got to yank off, you would be a perfect withered Arkham Asylum Joker. Oh, yeah. Like, you would be amazing. Yeah. If you ever watch him in... Uh, <laughs> there's a the Dwayne Johnson, uh, the rock film of Doom. Yeah. He, he plays was, oh, a he was in Doom. He, he plays that weird pedophile, kind of weird kind of character. Yeah. And he is just creepy to the max, but that's what he can sell. He can sell it so fucking well. Yeah, he's... I mean, Christopher Nolan noticed it, you know? Yeah. Whatever he's doing to fucking get in that character, it's it's working. Yeah. Like, he, he, he plays it so fucking Ralph, well. Ralph, his work in Mandy. Oh, yeah. don't tell me. Don't. Yeah. His work in Mandy. His work in Mandy was next level. fucking awesome. I mean, uh-huh. he does a whole scene without... I didn't know he was in it, so please. Without... Back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it's that, just... Just, 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 uh, just saying that alone. Just that scene with him is just perfect. That guy's magic. And, and I can't... I, every little... Every cameo, every little... I mean, he's kind of like back in the day when we look for, like, Steve Buscemi work. Like, you look for literally cool, unique uh, character uh, character actor work. He's... Like he's Phil, the prize in the fucking... And Boogie Nights and stuff like that. It's like, he's... Yeah, he's, he's the prize in the Cracker Jack box. If a writer, director ever creates a starring role for him via v visa via fucking like what what rob zombie kind of did with 31 mm-hmm. having that kind of forefront for richard Brake it's just it's perfect because yeah. if you can balance him right and use him correctly he's he's everywhere he's, yeah. he's he can cover the whole spectrum of like fucking unique and fun i, I wouldn't be amazed if like him and carl urban don't become like really unique as they get older mm-hmm because they, they, they have something that's just fucking magic when you put a camera on them. Oh, yeah. All right, back to issue. Yeah, and so that, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing cow. with him. It's like, fucking cow! You're overselling his role in this movie. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. But, but with that five, Dude. maybe ten minutes that he's on the screen, that's... Uh, 
that, he that says was, fuck 28 times in a row. The make- <laughs> Every he does, but the makeup they do on the fucking driver. Oh, yeah. Split yeah. head and oh, shit. Dude, crushed face. It's like, fuck. They were proud of that fucking makeup work. They kept cutting back to it. That was mm-hmm. fucking. I think that. And then when later when Mike steps on that one guy's face, mm-hmm. those two right. are like, those are some serious kills. That was like some gore fucking shit. Oh, yeah. I got a problem with that one, though. The moonlight scene. As Michael resurrects in the back of that fucking ambulance and takes out Richard Brake with that fucking piece of glass. Mm. I had a fucking high tension flashbacks with that. Totally. Like with the splitting of the neck, you see the tendons and all that shit. Yeah. Like I, I was squirming. He was just cutting away, and then you see that head removal. It was mm. like, but this is the first time we get introduced to the uh, the white horse and Deborah Myers. Yeah. Which is pretty much like uh, people that missed that opening quote at the very beginning of the film. You miss the whole fucking kind of. Uh, purpose yeah you missed the drive and that's what mike sees i love that when you're introduced to young michael you know uh old man logan michael never talks Mm -hmm. but the young michael talks for him yeah and i love that because that was like a way to like you know what yeah we're going to show you 80 percent of this film with an unmasked michael myers try to deal with it like i said uh being welcomed into like the graphic novel and obviously the film with logan you kind of accept this kind of uh, attack on the film mm-hmm. but uh yeah with uh with that being introduced with the young michael being the one that would talk was really yeah. a, a cool and way like you were saying like we're going to be seeing an unmasked michael for a good portion like a good chunk of this movie yeah that answers like any kind of question that you would have had of like how did michael get around yeah. without anybody ever noticing him you know like this is the this is what i imagine walking around you know yeah like you like you're very un like it's not uninteresting him. unimposing ghost white or gray off-white mask walking around it's normal everyday joe maybe the homeless dude that you see on the corner you never know that guy might be the next fucking jason next fucking michael yeah you know just unassuming vagabond mm-hmm yeah so like that that answers every question and i appreciated that because like you said we were making like we were we were cracking up and joking about like, oh well, fucking Michael driving that car, getting fucking gas, like <laughs> throwing the fucking <laughs> throwing the I'm fucking not changing gas the tire today, wearing the fucking mask. No, like he's he he knows well enough to take the mask off, put it in his pocket, and just go. Yeah, you know, do his thing. He's not he's not some lumbering oaf like Jason is. Jason will walk right up to you with that fucking mask and just. Mow down, mow you down, and just keep going. Yeah, this Michael, unless he has a reason to get you, he has he could care less who you are. Yeah, strange, strange thing. Uh, you know, we we're talking about cinematographers. This is a um, uh, Brandon Trost. I don't know if you know him, but he did uh, crank this, and then he jumped in with Seth Rogen. Did this is the end. Uh, he did the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. And he did Disaster Artist. Good. That's yeah, a that's good a cinematography. cinematography. Yeah. I didn't like the cinematography. In this. I thought it was way too dark. I loved it. Uh, well, I mean. There's some scenes where you see the lighting rigs. I mean, the it, one thing, it's not framed well. What I don't like what Rob Zombie chose to do, chose to do is that Halloween 1 is shot to a 2.39 ratio, oh, which is go. a letterbox. <laughs> and then when you get to H2, it's actually shot to a 1.5. Mumbo Jumbo. Mumbo Jumbo. So that's why it goes non-letterbox. It literally fills up your widescreen. 
Yeah. And I love my fucking TV being filled with H2 because you get so much more of everything. Right. But I'm saying like the positioning. Like, oh, yeah. You, you, I get it. You see like there's certain times around the bracket house that you see the lighting rigs, you know, sitting out. It's like, what's that light out in the fucking forest? Yeah. Oh, that's a lighting rig. Yeah, you know, the simple mistakes like that. But and that's this isn't like his first film. This is like his fifteenth film. So it's like you you think you'd notice that. Well with this film it threw me off is that Zombie reached so much more towards what he would do in Lords of Salem. He got so surreal. And Michael. this guy did Lords of Salem. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. That's a big thing with this film because there's so much surreal shots in this. It kind of throws you for a loop because you get those uh, these weird scenes of what you're imagining what's in Michael's head, which is like this weird Halloween Last Supper. Uh, it's almost music video. The mask on the skeleton being crucified. Mm. The Upside constant, down crosses. Uh, the constant snow and the mom being there present with young Michael. Yeah, and uh, Angel, Lori, Angel, uh you know, trapped in a glass coffin. It's a, it's a lot of surreal shit that they shot for this. I, I mean, even there's some weird shit with Daniel Harris and stuff where they're just like screaming at each other with a strobe light on them. You know, it's just like. I think this is the first one where the Akkads and the Weinsteins were like, okay, hey, the first movie made money. This one's going to make money. Have at it. And I I remember hearing a story at Zombie presenting this at the premiere at the uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater and him giving the introduction of the film. And he was kind of angry and a lot of people speculate that he wanted Lori angel scout whatever uh to be the killer either the akads or the weinstein said that's not going to do fix it well they changed the ending yeah yeah and that's that was the weird thing i think i found new appreciation for these films because i did watch them i watched both films but i watched them the second time with the commentary on and Rob Zombie is just full-on wealth of knowledge. Of, for any fucking growing filmmaker who wants to write or direct, watch zombie films. He gives you a four-and-a-half-hour uh, documentary on Halloween 1 Unrated that's literally from pre-production, and he goes through every day of shooting. Like that's he will, nuts. He'll, he runs you through day 11. He runs you through his, his shot list, and he shows you all the behind-scenes and stuff. So you get to see an artist... A true fucking art artist at work, and it's something I would love to see like Cronenberg or Tarantino do. But here we go, it's zombie. And he's doing it. And if you want to watch something more more recent, uh, watch Ryan Johnson's uh, uh, behind the scenes feature in Last Jedi. He gets such a two and a half hour in depth fucking look of behind the scenes of Last Jedi. You're like thankful that somebody showed you uh, the behind the scenes of like uh, creating such a such a project. But that's why I always appreciate about Zombie because he did the same thing for Devil's Rejects. He did like a two and a half hour behind the scenes making of. and But this one, I mean, Halloween 2 didn't have it, but Halloween 1 did. But the commentary on Halloween 2 was very insightful because you get to appreciate all the stuff he got to introduce with the Mar Margot Kidder scenes <laughs> that he would do uh, with uh, Lori and Margot Kidder, the therapist, because it was really like Lori was addicted to the medication. She's battling her her transference of you know and then when she gets the book of uh loomis and she realizes that she is a fucking myers and she just goes into the deep end it's like full-on like lost at the will of your own destiny like fuck i'm a fucking myers this has been the big great lie that only bracket and maybe loomis knew and now i have to you know sink or swim what do you do and that's when you kind of see the the, the the kind of destruction of, 
of uh, Lori, which is just crazy because it's like, you know, she goes to a party, drinks her ass off with her new friends and stuff like that. She's distancing herself from her best friend, who's Annie and Sheriff Brackett. And it's just like all this fucking downward spiral is just put into motion, like within the middle of the film. Like that's what Rob Zombie's kind of Halloween 2 fuel was. Yeah, I mean, that's always a problem with me. You go from straight A student to dreadlocked metalhead. I mean, I I don't know. It's kind of a stretch. Uh, you know, but I'm going to say that I'm not opposed or a hater of this movie. I've, I've grown to appreciate it quite a bit. I In theaters, I saw it with a really hot date that was giving me a handy, so I really didn't get to pay a lot of attention <laughs> in theaters. Like, oh, this is a great movie. This is a great movie. I'm, I remember. I've got a handful of tent, and she's got a handful of oh. schnapps. Oh. So, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, like I didn't get to really like pay attention to this until like it came out on video. And then, like, I just, I was, I've been on an ant, I've ever since I've seen it, I've just been on an anti-zombie train. And I think that was a little pre-bias. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the original Halloweens. But then, like I said, it's been a couple of years since I've watched them all. Since the last time we did the podcast, four, four years, years ago, ago. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I like it as a case study, one conclusive film i do not like the sequence of dreaming i don't like the music video aspect but store and i don't like scout in this at all i cannot she's overacting terribly the person i identify with is strangely enough annie and sheriff Brackett. those are the two people that i'm like i feel for these fucking people like you know sheriff Brackett's life's gone to hell because Lori's now living with him and he's still hiding the secret that comes out in Loomis's new book. And that's, yeah, that's the thing that this is where we find out. She's actually a my, well, we known she's a Myers, but that's where she finds out. She finds out. Yeah. And that's where it just, she starts losing her fucking mind, drinking a lot. I love that Annie and, and Lori, they wear their scars. They don't, yeah, well, Annie's like relegated to like a house person. She does not leave the house. Yeah, I don't think she leaves. But the house I love at that they're just movie. scarred up from mm-hmm. like the two years ago of being attacked in the hospital. Let me say, worst stitches ever. Those would not. That's not the stitches you do on someone's face. You do inside internal stitches gotcha. to these big black lines. The uh, there there was actually a, a an ER surgeon that played that real part and handled all that stuff. Yeah, fuck that hand scene. Because they drove even me nuts. they even show that one scene where there's that dead body pit where like Michael's pretty him. much killed everybody in that hospital and he's just been throwing him in this dumpster. Which is weird because it's just nightmare fuel because it's like her nightmare and everything they play up to that which I mean, even Buddy uh, who stays at the security shack, if you pay attention to Halloween one, Lori has a fucking little bear called Buddy Bear. Oh. And that plays again into her fucking dream and shit like that. And the reason that um, uh, the song, uh, Nights in White Satin, thank you, Nights in White Satin, is in that endless loop, is again, you're in the dream realm. So it's just like this constant. On every TV, I'm like, what an event. Yeah. <laughs> We're watching a video that's like, 30 years old. <laughs> and it's just, oh, it's just a block of that tonight. God. But it was uh, awesome. I don't know. It, it gave the purpose of what I always had difficult with Halloween 2. is like, how do you make Halloween 2 a whole film? Well, you do, and it's really fucking dull and boring. And this, he took it as a dream sequence, and it made it kind of like a mundane, interactive thriller fucking, you know, 
par- portion of the film. And I thought that was kind of fucking See, strange. I thought this was going to, like, not let off the gas. Yeah. Like, like Halloween 2, in your fucking yeah. face. Like, like okay, we're going to start in the hospital. You're going to have 40 minutes of chasing and murder in the hospital. And then she's going to escape, and he's going to fucking trail. Like, that's how I thought it was going to go. Maybe that wouldn't have been right. But to make it a dream just pissed yeah. me off. Yeah, just to write <laughs> off that whole sequence. Like, you could have, yeah, you could have just done without Myers, just done the surgery, her, and then flash to the present where... yeah because it gets so fucking just slow and surreal like you literally get michael sitting on a haystack looking at the moon in a fucking eating barn. a dog walking fields endless fields endless plateaus and plains of fields man yeah, it was like an episode of showtime's hitchhiker you know it was like <laughs> fucking shit dude it really was like there's so many field shots and yeah michael is you know just walking around as a normal dude so you like Ralph said, nonetheless, he can't tell without the mask. It's just, just a homeless dude. Yeah. You know, the guy from Batman and fucking, you know, another redneck roll up on him in the field. and Hey, stay off my property. They wallop the fuck out of him. I love the fat guy doing the ninja shit with the bat. Oh, my God. How <laughs> stupid. Awesome. And then Michael throws on his mask and fucking murders the fuck out of these people. God, if That's that the problem that I have hair. with the strip club. Myers has only murdered two people with his mask off. One of them's Dr. Loomis, and the other one's this nameless, who gives a fuck, bouncer throwaway kid. Why? Why? Why would you? He doesn't murder with his mask off. His mask is his dissociation to yeah. him. So that, that whole, was his that mom's see, strip club, though, right? Yeah, but yeah, still, so like when he goes in to kill her boss, he's wearing the mask. Yeah. You know, this is just a worthless, nameless bouncer, like... It, it it didn't pl- even though the death was cool you know him Stomping him like uh, it's over punching him and he's all ow like it hurt his hand getting choke slammed and his face stomped in it was a cool little sequence but it was like he needed his mask on Myers de- Myers doesn't even kill animals without his mask on like that's his separation from reality well, he killed a bully with his clown mask on yeah I mean, he's always he's always hiding behind a mask because that's the blockade of reality for him, mm. you know. And yeah, medical diagnosis that's their that's the way that they are able to channel who they want to be. Everything they want to happen is through that mask. So yeah, it's kind of a weird scene, but it plays. And Doctor Loomis turned into Doctor Phil, going around uh, selling his book and just being a complete. Douche. Yeah. This is old Loomis, not new Loomis. I want new Loomis on here, and I will not go in there until I have new Loomis. He's on Talking Dead with Weird Al. Yeah. (laughs) Chris Hardwick. They played me like a fool. Actually, I take great issue with that statement. Mm. Besides, I might say that I've endured quite a lot of misery of my own in order to tell this story. Yeah, well, everyone feels real bad for you, except I have never... I've been so humiliated in all my no, life. Fantastic. Trust me. Nonsense. No. Good night. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> and I, I, I just can't understand his publicists. Like publicists are the people that make you sell your soul. She's like, oh no, you need to reel it in. Like you know, just stop. This is this is horrifying. And it's like you're the people that pay me. Like don't you, you want me to do that? But once again, it's script writing complaints. He's not even. In this fucking movie, as far as I am concerned. Who? Loomis? Loomis. 
Yeah. He's in like 15 minutes of this film. Yeah, he runs in at the I end. Mean, he's literally like at his hotel room and he hears the newscast of like the barn sequence going on. And he's like, I have to get there. Yeah. And how do you get there so fast? He's like in Chicago uh, on like a radio show or guess, on a TV show. And you're going to make it all the way to Haddonfield. Like, okay. It's at least a couple well, hours. He was in Haddonfield for that, that interview. The book signing. But the Chris Hardwick thing was after that. I don't, I don't know. And that's where he's like, I'm finished. I'm done. And that's when he goes to his hotel and sees that Myers has a standoff and gotcha. some shanty. I knew he was in Haddonfield because of the book signing and then he did the interview in front of the Loomis house or the Haddonfield house or whatever the fuck. Uh, the Myers house. But yeah, that was a uh, fucking dark. I don't know. Like everything that's, that goes on in this movie, I have questions about and concerns. But like everybody is... All these characters that that's returning, I, I appreciate. Like, I'm glad they brought Annie. I br- I'm glad they brought Brackett. I'm glad they brought Lori into it. Like y'all were saying about the uh, hospital scene. To me personally, I was kind of excited about that because, like, oh shit! Like, we're we're I'm I'm getting to see the hospital scenes. Granted, it'd be kind of boring for it to be entirely in the hospital, and and whatnot but i was like oh man this is this is actually really interesting to see and then when michael comes in it's like oh fuck all right cool you know 10 20 minutes in we already got michael showing up fuck you know but it was the ultimate cop out for it to be a fucking dream yeah <laughs> off. i went in there with actually quite a bit of hope because with like the way that it opens up the way it's the way it sets up hell like the fucking cringing fu- fucking moment where he's like they're pulling the fucking fingernails out, oh, out of her yeah. i was like oh that's when you just look at the doctor you're like put me under oh, now that hand surgery <laughs> caught her fucking leg like she has a little bit of a gimp to her but like when she shows up in the hospital it looks like someone just beat the fuck out right, of her she's got protruding bones and yeah she has bones protruding out of her fucking leg she's missing fingernails when the fuck did that happen right how do you the, squeeze the trigger that's fell from her the yeah. ceiling fell from the yeah, but I've, I've never known for falling from a fucking ceiling and ripping out your goddamn fingernails out. Yeah. You haven't fell from very many surfaces, sir. <laughs> I fell through a fucking ceiling. I fell from heaven. <laughs> I've fallen through a fucking ceiling. Oh, I was man. walking around in my fucking attic and got a leg cramp and fell through it. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, to be a fly on the wall that day. <laughs> oh, it was... It was yeah! <laughs> But like <laughs> me, Benjamin. There Brett goes me playing play the piccolo. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> fucking dumbass. <laughs> not, not gonna get to the fucking top of the charts with a flugelhorn now. And he's like, cue the George Michael. <laughs> like this movie, I could see why it didn't get a third one though. Like yeah. it's painfully obvious how, why they didn't get a third one because it fucking ends. It the, the way it the the way it fucking flopped because like it had a budget of fifteen. It only made back sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, in America, worldwide thirty. Worldwide, still thirty. That's yeah, that's double your money, but that's nothing. I mean, look, that, this Hollywood standards. That means shit. This, that means shit. This film had the full ending, though. You had Loomis get murdered. You had Michael Myers get gunned down. He's not the boogeyman. He's just a, a well, man. you could, and you had Lori get fucking gunned. Well, down. like Ralph saying, Lori could have taken the mantle because now yeah. she's fucking crazy. Like they pulled a four on us with it. Yeah, exactly. They exactly. gave they well, gave us a number four ending, and that was it. They but, didn't even give us a part. Well, the the whole Halloween two was 
part four because you had the scene where like when when michael was eating the coyote and stuff she would throw up because she was experiencing right 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 uh, what, what he's saying is her taking over the mantle is now yeah. the killer it like, happens at the very end and he, when she picks up the knife and she's going after Loomis, right but she's still alive if she would have died yeah that's finality but she did die no she's in the hospital in the end she gets shot right she's in the hospital the hospital scene is like heaven that's like no well yes, yeah you could interpret it, is, it that way if you want but I never did because she's all scarred up and shit. She's well, literally you, living outside the walls and seeing her mom come towards her now. Oh, that that because was, why wouldn't Michael be there? But her seeing the the white horse is kind and of and those people go to heaven. Sign me well, up. Well, they, well, they, 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 they they transfer <laughs> over to like death. I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, I've that's why the full circle of the 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 love hurts music kicks in because it's like I don't know whatever. Good interpretation, though. That's, I never yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. I never thought of it that way. Because gotcha. she's like dying, like she's breathing there, and then the, that last breath, it goes into that white void, and the hallways are like super long. They're they're just they're changing. There's like weird. Well, that's the thing. Is like, I thought that was just super, horrible editing. That was just like weird labyrinth kind of work of like going through yeah. like this corridor. But it's like a super long fucking hallway. Yeah, it looked like a hallway with like. Left turns and right And then turns. when she sees her mom with the white horse, it's like, that was it. That but, was her full circle. But when it goes to her, it shows what she's looking at. She's looking at a wall. And then it goes back to her. And then the hallway is extended with the horse and mom walking. The whole void. So I always just took it as, like, she's looking past the wall into, like, Myers. Live outside that wall. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I always, I always felt like Ralph. Like, this is another fucking part four cliffhanger like okay she's gonna be the killer and then it was like actually we're done yep oh. that's not, that's where it actually ended i was like oh, yeah right. sure. and yeah that we we're not going to get a revisit till next next week, week. so <laughs> um y'all want to jump into final thoughts with this yes please i'll go um um i thought <laughs> go nay just mess with me aside from handies and theaters um i really <laughs> I, you know, I didn't like this movie when I first saw it. It took quite a bit of time of talking with other people and debating, you know, the structure of the movie and, and therapy. Uh, this movie's grown on me quite a bit. I I actually hold it in pretty high regard. Yes, I, I fucking hate dream sequences. Oh, that was all just kidding. I, I really hate that. Oh, I, did. I had a dream and you were there and you were there yeah. and you were there. <sighs> And buddy, you were there too. I hate to tell you what I dream about. Handies? No, those are realities. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's myself or someone else, it's happening. <laughs> Run around the room, show myself a uh, play hard to get. No. I'm going to get you. <laughs> nice venom pulse. Very venom, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, it, it's, uh, it's one of those movies where I, I don't like a lot of it. But I would not damn it. So I would probably put it in the rent side. It's not an avoid. Uh, not at all. Uh, honestly, like Nate said, after watching all this series, uh, it's Halloween 1, Halloween 4, and then these two. Everything else is kind of like, yeah, if, I, if I'm very fucking extremely desperate to watch something mundane, I'll, I'll throw in some of the other series. But uh, yeah, Halloween 1 and 2... Uh, it's it's the fucking Blu-rays, guys. If you can watch the special features and the commentaries and all the behind the scenes that Rob Zombie offers you, you get such insight, you grow appreciation for it. And that's where I kind of fell. Because watching the film standalone, I, I suffered. I didn't. I don't enjoy them. 
um, I you know beyond the first seeing them in theaters, which I saw Halloween one, Halloween two in theaters, there was interest. I love the the white pony, the white horse kind of scenario because that falls into my deep love of fucking Twin Peaks and. Deftones White Pony album. I mean, there's a lot of understanding and love that I appreciate of that idea of what the white horse represents and the surrealism of all that shit. But seeing the way Rob Zombie fabricated it into his H2 and seeing the full structure of the triangle between son, daughter, mother, all this weird stuff of this case study of this family, it's appreciated because I'm glad that somebody did this with the Myers idea rather than just say you know what I'm going to do the boogeyman and that's Carpenter's uh, land and obviously with all the uh, you know the Akkads and stuff they they fumbled through on how to handle the Myers and the boogeyman scenario with the thorn stuff and everything so seeing Rob Zombie do his own thing and it be these standalone two films they're buys for me because they're, they're kind of fun to have in the series because it's standalone stuff and that's something you don't get from a lot of these uh a lot of these uh our favorite slashers uh with the reboots of texas chainsaw massacre friday 13th and stuff like that and texas chainsaw you see people give their interpretations but they follow these fine lines i think zombie actually said fuck the fine line i'm gonna go off and do my own tangent and it's just gonna be what it's gonna be so you know kudos you know um that's kind of where i sit cool um, for me, I had, I got a day off and I got a day off to watch these movies because I was like, I'm going to go ahead and knock them out. You know, um, after watching the first one, I'm not going to lie. I didn't go in the where in there with very high hopes, uh, high expectations. Cause I'm like, this is a Rob Zombie movie. I've seen his work. I've never really cared for his work. Uh, like I said earlier, the fucking, the ending was a little long in the tooth for me. I felt as though they could have trimmed up a little bit. When I jumped into the second one, I will start by saying I could care less about this movie. And Nate can even Nate can even attest to it. Both Nate and Jeff, they got a text me- or they got a message from me whenever I started watching the first one. They didn't hear back from me again till almost eight o'clock. That I never night. got that text message. I, I don't know what the man's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get another message from me till like almost eight o'clock that night, saying I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I finished the movies. <laughs> No but I gave him. I get. I didn't give him any other anything else. Which, I which one did you watch? Unrated or, or just the one that came in the box, the box set? The box set. Okay, unrated. Um, this movie after the first one was done, I honestly cared for Lori. I, I I understood where she was coming from. I understood kind of like going a little mad there at the end, and then whenever she wake up from the dream sequence, it looked like Rob Zombie's wet fucking dream. Because you've gone from this girl who had a very nice upbringing to this Smelly. obnoxious bitch with dreadlocks, shit everywhere. It's like walking into a crackhead's house. It's like walking into a fucking crackhead's fucking underwear drawer. <laughs> it is fucking disgusting. I've never wanted a main character that I cared for to die so fucking quickly. I could care less about her. The entire time. I would have been better off if I would have just watched Annie the entire time. I would have watched five over again. I would have watched six over again. I would have watched Resurrection over this shit. Yes. And I'm going there. This movie just pretty much cemented how I felt about Rob Zombie before watching H1. (laughs) Like, it just drew drew me right back into it because I felt 
Like I've wasted every every appreciation for this movie because, like you said, we end up getting into the entire trope of like, oh, the survivor survives. She gets a brand new set of friends, and then she goes and finds out that she's Angel Myers, and then confesses to her friends who are trying to be like, hey, oh. let's not let's not go anywhere. Let's try and fix you. And she's like, no, I want to fucking go somewhere. Let's fucking party. I and don't it's like, care. You. Fucking dumbass. Yeah, I hate her in this movie. This, like, I've, again, I've never wanted a main character to die so fucking quickly. She was obnoxious. I didn't want, like, anytime she was on the screen, I was like, man, I just want to fast forward this shit. I could (laughs) care less for her in this movie. Like, she's, like, she's what killed it. Like, Michael, I appreciated. I, I enjoyed him, enjoyed watching his journey back to fucking Haddonfield because he was like, driven for god knows how long in the beginning of the movie and on the road again exactly, exactly. Just can't wait he's just he's walking again. a thousand miles <laughs> in circles like it's he's a, just yeah circling and this is the closest thing that you're going to get to fucking corn he's in a bunch of fields you wanted corn he got fields you didn't just, you didn't just get corn that one yeah. fucking corn <laughs> yeah, wheat. But like, I appreciated. I appreciated that. <laughs> like, I understood wheat. like his in, his pilgrimage, his journey back. You know, some of the kills were a little like, what, what are you doing? Sherry Moon looked like a fucking goofball. Right. Her eyes are like fucking. It's like she saucers. just did like three rails. <laughs> three rails, and she's just surprised as all fuck about everything. Like, it looked like she put on the fucking H two O mask the entire time. <laughs> Yes, kill for mommy trying to do her worst impression of fucking Betsy Palmer. (laughs) Fucking hell. I I did not like this movie. I did not care for it. And I'm happy they didn't continue it. I understand the appreciation that's that you guys had for like your entire thing about like Dr. Loomis in today's age would become the next Dr. Phil because of this. Mm -hmm. Like I understood that. Like I got it. Okay, cool. He's trying to make a quick buck off of this, and he made quite a few bucks, you know. But him coming off as the fucking like, hey babe, you uh, oh. like what? Do, what do you got going on later today? Because I I can kind of think of a few things that we could fucking. Didn't do. he ask a oh redhead? Does the carpet match the drapes? Yes, he does. He does ask that. I'm like, that is cringy as fuck. <laughs> I love the Linda. Yeah, it was during the it yeah, was the Linda the Linda's cool. dad scene. Yeah, but yeah, that that scene was during during the book signing. He hugs the girl and she goes, "Are you a natural redheader?" You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> "Good God, today's day and age, that's probably what we would have gotten. That's probably what fucking that's probably what they would have done. Or it's just Rob Zombie being a, a sick fuck like he normally is. I don't know. Like this movie, this is that is the last time I'm going to revisit it. And if we end up doing another Halloween retrospect, I'm just going to miss this fucking episode. <laughs> So it's a buy. It's a coaster. A coaster. It, if Jeez. you got the box set, it is a fucking coaster that you flips upside down, so you don't have to fucking see the cover. There's gonna be a couple coasters out of this box set. Everything besides one. No, one, three, four, seven, and these two are pretty safe in my book. Seriously. I like three. Just buy one off standard. Oh yeah, we'll get into that after our next review. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's two things that I forgot to mention in this. The death of Annie is heartbreaking to me. Sir Sheriff Brackett. Yeah. Brad Dorf does what he does. Oh best. my god, he is amazing. But just how she's like, you know, just just abused by this 
bitch Lori. I just I hate Lori in this movie. And Ralph, you bring up good points because there's I can understand if you don't get anybody to identify with. The thing for me is I identify with Annie Brackett, Sheriff Brackett. And uh, like those were to me, in all honesty, those were the only two characters I really fucking cared right. for. Right. I mean, it's true. And, but I cared about, Do- the, you know, Dr. Loomis, even though he was a total shit bag. I, I liked it. So because he tries to redeem himself at the end. Yeah. But, well, not even if he would have went off with his bunch of money, I wouldn't care. It's Malcolm McDowell playing a role in today's society. That's how I see shrinks. You f- f- blood sucking motherfuckers. So not that I know any shrinks. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the the death of Annie broke my fucking heart. She just walks in this bathroom. Michael's standing there. She turns. And then it's just like this muted violence. And she's just getting fucked up. I don't know that they don't even show it. It's just Well, emotion. I mean, they sh- show her getting slammed into a dresser. They show her bleeding and crying. But they don't show, like, the finalization of it. They just show that slow motion of the grab and then face to black. And then yeah. you, when she returns to the house, Lori returns to the house with her friend. Oh, it that's runs through it. That's you get the flashes it. Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, it. Right, right. And that's why I, I thought it was kind of... Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I did. I actually teared up whenever I heard. Whenever it's shown that muted, muted violence. But there's one. Just like it's a, you sneeze and you'll miss it. You hear her go ow, 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 ow. Like you you hear her crying. I was like, oh, Brad Dourif sells it beautifully. Yeah, they were saying in the commentary that people fucked up. The stuntmen fucked up a lot with Tyler. They would say, just, just throw, you know, throw me down, whatever you just make it. Real. Whoops. And Tyler, <laughs> when he slams that, uh, bouncer guy in the back. Oh yeah. He, said, he, he, said, he, threw, he threw that motherfucker down so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Like the guy was just, he regretted this. The Dude, he slams him on a fucking hard dirt fucking surface. There was no give. I mean, you see the dust cloud go <laughs> from under the yep. guy. And the same thing, I think, for the, the naked girl running through the, uh, when she gets slammed into the mirror. The, oh, the stripper. Yeah, the they stripper. had to, they, they didn't want to use a, a fake torso. Yeah. So the, that was actually the stunt. Throwing her weight into the mirror to crack it. It looked like all she did was put her hand on her forehead, and but she, still. I mean, but it was her force that, that cracked yeah. the mirror. It was, it was just neat stuff that they sell. Like mm-hmm. you know, like they. He didn't want to play down. Who the fuck was the stunt coordinator on the? Hey, uh, you're six foot nine, four hundred pounds. Throw these motherfuckers all uh, over the place. The like, knife, wouldn't surprise me if it was zombie. The the, <laughs> the knife stabs. He would put a plank one of, more job. A uh, plank of wood next to the actor, and he would use a real knife to hit the wood. Oh, that's dangerous. And I was like, yeah, but. That's how he sold it. Even in uh, eight, Halloween 1, they forgot to change out the fake knife for a retractable knife, and uh, Lori accidentally stabbed Tyler with the real knife, which is a doled-out knife, but still, she made the contact. A dole is a doll. Yeah. yeah. If it's got a point, I'm pissed. Yeah. And I got to autocorrect myself. Uh, earlier in the show, I said that Halloween was the trailblazer that started the, the reboots. Actually, it's kind of funny, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the first. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. In in the seventies, Texas Chainsaw was the first. Halloween, then Friday, then Freddy. Well, here in the two thousands, Texas is Halloween, Friday, Freddy. I gotta redact myself there. Yeah, hey, that's all right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. But yeah, now that like drag us right back to that scene with Daniel Harris. Like once Sheriff Brackett finds it and he starts having those flashbacks 
of those home movies. Oh, dude, oh, those are little. Oh, oh my yeah. god, because those are actual home movies yeah. of Daniel Harris. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, it's heartbreaking. This is just fucking killing me. I love the part where he's going into uh, the house and the cop tries to stop him. And he's just like, where? <laughs> yeah, uh, damn it. he goes full Chucky mode. But yeah, that that entire scene just hey, I love Danielle Harris. Everybody that's listening to the show knows this. But I mean, just I don't like seeing her die. I no. like seeing her be be victorious. Yep, and so. th- those are like just like the I'm not going to even say handful, like the little pinches of scenes that I enjoyed out of this movie. Like there's not very many of them. Few and far and, between. Like. Yeah, the like the scenes that dealt with them, I I appreciated them the most because it was like the full circle. Mm-hmm. Like you you want to you want so hard for them to fucking survive. Yeah, for fucking Annie to bite the fucking dust just in that way, in that form, and just in that fashion. I'm just like, man, that fucking hurts. Yeah, in the arms of fucking Lori too, dressed up as a fucking Rocky uh, Horror. Rocky Horror. Yeah, it's just a stab to the left. And a slam to the right. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my entire soapbox. Like for me, like again, this movie, this movie's gonna be a coaster for me. That was more than I've heard you say all year, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> well, hit my music. Let's end this shit. Let me hear you say it, baby. Woo! Great tits. Good, 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 good. That is fine hide leather. Good, good, good. You're rating right up there. Good, good, good. Is this Aussie conditioner? Good, good, good. You're good. You've never felt soccer juice. Good, good, good. Like a fucking Pepsi commercial. Woo! Great tits. All right, definitions. I guarantee Rob Zombie never read the subconscious psychosis of dreams. Instead of defining the meaning of the white horse, here's my good friend, Lou Diamond Phillips to explain. Hey, Chavis, how come they ain't killing us? We're in the spirit world, asshole. They can't see us. <laughs> I guess Smith's Grove subscribes to Weight Watchers, Necrophile Paramedics. Sherry Moon just has to be in this movie. I bet she's sleeping with the director. Want to know how I got these scars? Helpful tip. If you're getting really dizzy, sit the fuck down. Don't wander around screaming that you need something for your head. You're telling me the best part of this movie was a dream filmed by Shakes the Clown. Does nobody in this goddamn movie own a color television? Usually people find Jesus after an ordeal like this, but unfortunately for Lori, the Reverend Horton Heat and Dave Mustaine showed up to her door instead of the Mormons. One fucking fuck of a fucking day at a fucking fuckity fuck 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 time. You're kidding me if you think I'll ever believe that Margot Kidder could be a believable shrink. Inkblot meanings. Lori sees a white horse. I see Alfred Hitchcock presents. Barbers are still on strike. Strip club owning pervert Frankenstein volunteers with children. Daniel Harris versus crazy can't be good. Uh, why is it every time I see a bouncer talking to his boss inside a strip club, I'm instantly reminded of Kill Bill? Who knew chicklets made teeth? Chet, the neater of chapstick Johns. A lot of people were upset about Michael saying die in the end, but what do they want? If we are to die, we are enough. To do our country loss and to live. The fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. Gentlemen shall think themselves accursed. They were not here, and hold their manhood's cheeps whilst they speak. That fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. 
I'm Nathan. We're almost done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's our stuff. <laughs> this is a very hard series to go through, as you may tell. But we've got light at the end of the tunnel. I hope. Dude, come on. Don't even tell you. You can't even talk that babble bullshit anymore. I, I can't. You can't. I can't. You can't. I can't. You can't. This thing could be Dark Knight. And regardless, it took 40 fucking years for this <laughs> piece of shit fucking series to garnish a fucking it's true it's strange. sequel. It's strange. Actually. And we're going to find out if this is going to be a bowl of shit. It's not. There's. I'm past the hope. I, I know it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. But there's going to be shit at the end of the tunnel. Well, I mean, they're, spoiler, the they're already gearing up for filming Halloween 2. There you go. So, you know, where there's money, there's money to be made. Um, that's the sad thing. It's weird. Going into this, Jeff and Ralph both know me as just a hardcore Halloween fan. And it's true. The first one is one of my very favorite movies. But I got to say, from series standpoints... I think Friday now holds it. I, you know, that's the thing I was talking with you about earlier is when you take a formula, which Halloween is the trailblazer and all these imitators came afterwards, but those imitators were like, okay, we know we're going to copy this. We know we're going to make Drek, but we're going to make it seven times. Friday, two, three, four, five, six. Those are all the exact same movies with a little bit of difference. That's why I like them. Yeah. They fucking don't change. Yes, yeah, so it's good, same thing always. But I mean, the kills are different, the intensity is different. So I kind of dig it. Um, Halloween just didn't know what to do ever. They, at like, one and four, maybe it. That's like it. part two, I like part two, the original part two. Um, but it, like Jeff said, it is fucking slow. It is painfully dull in some spots, and some parts it's just fucking stupid. But I do, I do like it, I and mean, maybe that's just the childhood love for it. But yeah, like five, six, uh, even part of seven, eight. I mean, just fucking garbage. And thankfully, these Rob Zombies have kind of entered a new light for me. But Friday holds the title of best series still because it has the best remake too. I'm sorry, Friday's a great. I'm sorry, I like the Friday Thirteenth remake. If I stand alone on that, I don't give a shit. No, you don't. I no, love the. Friday. I'm standing right there yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I think that's it. like action packed and. I think that's horror. the greatest opener of any fucking movie. It's definitely, like definitely. fucking intense. Yeah. So, in the words of fucking Cinema Sense, holy fuck, that was the opener. This <laughs> <Right. laughs> opening is stupendous, right? And and the breasts are stupid. And the chicks are all hot. I mean, I could do without some of the characters, but. I'm not there for the characters. I'm there for TNA and I'm there for the man. beast. Yeah. You're a monster. I want, I want my <laughs> monster. <laughs> yeah, it takes it. So hey, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Dude, join us next time as we do 2018 Blumhouse Halloween. That'd be fun. So see y'all fuckers next week. I won't see you for a while, sir. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and always remember, keep it scary. This is Ralph. This is Jeff. This is Nathan. A lot of pain. Love is like a cloud. Holds a lot of frame. Love hurts. Ooh, love hurts. Thank you for listening to Deep in the Horror of Texas. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
If you like what you hear, please leave a review on the iTunes or Stitcher radio app. And above all, remember to keep it scary. makes no claim of ownership on the copyrighted audio and simply uses it for the sole purpose of entertainment, criticism, commentary, and education or fair use. Please support the official release of the audio used in today's episode where available to you. And remember to keep it scary.